Experts claim there is nothing tougher than a diamond. But at Diamonds Direct, we beg to differ. Have you ever met a mother? Strong, radiant, timeless. This Mother's Day, give her the gift that meets her match. With diamond jewelry starting at $200, plus Diamonds Direct's exceptional quality and unbeatable everyday price, you're sure to give her a gift that wows this generation and the next to come. Experience the thrill of jewelry shopping done right at Diamonds Direct. Diamonds Direct. Your love, our passion. Escape to summer with Victoria's Secret's just-arrived collection of swim and other sun-ready silhouettes. Pack your bags with new styles from the Very Sexy Collection, like the made-to-be-seen Very Sexy push-up bra, in on-trend hues like green and citron and black shine. Rewind to the future with the VS Archives Swim Collection, inspired by Victoria's Secret's classic looks from the 90s and early 2000s. Plus, mix and match with their wide range of bikini tops and bottoms to find your dream suit. Shop now at your closest Victoria's Secret store or online at victoriasecret.com. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow the global story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. This is your moment, your time to shine, your comeback. You're ready for the next step in your career and you want an education employers respect. So you're not just going back to school. You're coming back with Purdue Global. Backed by Purdue University, one of the nation's most respected public universities, Purdue Global is built for people who bring their life experience into the online classroom. Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. Hi, everybody, and welcome to Katie's Crib. In this episode, ooh, I'm so excited, we're talking to Julie Lithgott-Hames. Julie is the author of the New York Times bestseller, How to Raise an Adult, Break Free of the Overparenting Trap and Prepare Your Kid for Success. In this amazing book, Julie breaks down the impact of overparenting or you know, what some of us would call helicopter parenting can have on children and what leads us as parents to do this in the first place. The book offers helpful strategies for avoiding the overparenting trap so we can help our children be independent and competent as they head out into the world. And it does, oh, I I can't even tell you. I've listened to this book on tape. It's gotten me through every traffic jam in Los Angeles for the last, um, I burned through that book. You guys run out, get it, Amazon, Audible, wherever. Julie is also the author of the book Real American, a memoir. She's a mom of two teenagers. She spent a decade as the dean of freshmen at Stanford University. We are so lucky to have Julie join us on Katie's Crib over the phone today to share her experiences and wisdom with all of us. Hi, Julie. (laughs) Hi, Katie. Thank you so much for having me. Wow. I'm just thrilled that you're listening to my book in LA Traffic Jams. Oh, it is. I just love that. It's an incredible book. And I feel, I mean, it's probably a little bit, uh, I mean, I only have a 16 month old and I think the book. All the time to get it right, my friend. Oh, I hope so. All the time to get it right. Oh God, I hope so. And the book speaks a lot about this is it called what do you call it like the college arms race or yeah like this whole thing that's happening of like you got to get into the right preschool then you got to get into the right elementary school then you got to get into the high school that shovels you into the correct you know everything about being right and the best and um the book talks so much about safetyism and this culture we're living in where kids just really aren't pushed out the door to sort of be bored or ride a bike to school at a certain age because it's safe and it's important for them to learn independence. Um, I learned so much from the book. I am very much like you at the beginning. It touched me so much. You said, I think your first kid was five weeks old and you went to look at the nursery school that you had always dreamed of. I did the same thing at five weeks old. And I was like, "Uh uh-oh, I am in trouble. I am an overachieving millennial who thinks this can be done right. I'm a hard worker. I'm going to work my ass off as a mom. And I find your book to be Take the Pressure Off. Oh, good. I'm so glad. You know, I wrote this book because I was – am I jumping in here now? No, no, please jump in. Jump in. um, I so appreciate your personal resonance. And at the end of the day – we have been entrusted with this humbling task 
of trying to be the adults who get to be alongside these young people and escort them on this path to an independent adulthood. It's a humbling task. It's awesome in the sense of big and important. And um, we've just started taking it so overly seriously. We're actually getting in the way of our kids being able to make it along their path. And I learned this because I was a dean at a university working with other people's kids. And I was railing against all of this parental involvement at the college level, parents wanting to talk to professors, parents wanting to review homework before it's turned in, parents needing to know all the time what's going on, how's it going. You know, I'm going to get your apartment for you. I'm going right, to sign. I'm going to get your apartment. I'm yeah. going to handle it. And then I had my aha moment, which was I came home for dinner one night when my own kids were eight and 10 after railing against this behavior on my campus for seven years. Uh-huh. I come home, I lean over my 10 year old son's plate and I begin cutting his meat. And that was the moment when I realized, holy shit. Yes. I'm going to, can I say that? Oh yeah. Yeah. We curse all the time. We curse all the time. Great. Good. Yes. Holy shit. I'm on track to be one of those parents who will not be able to let go of her 18-year-old because she's cutting the meat of a 10-year-old. And I realized he could go to the army at 18. He could go to college at 18. He could have a job at 18. Those are the options pretty much, right? Yes. And I am underpreparing him for that point because I'm cutting his meat. And there are so many skills a little human has to learn between cutting your meat and be ready for any of those three outcomes. Right. You know? So that's when I got it. And I realized... I got to stop criticizing this whole thing and start to understand what are we doing and why? Cause I'm part of it. And maybe I can be part of the solution because I'm definitely part of the problem. Were you able at that point to really let oh, yeah, go? Just turned it around in a heartbeat. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah. I woke up the next day. Everything is no. Oh my no. gosh. I mean, it starts with a philosophical awareness that, oh my gosh, what am I doing? I am living my child's life for him. I'm tying his shoes too long. I'm cutting his meat too long. I'm uh, making sure her homework is always correct and in the bag. All of these things we do to try to help, we have to realize inside of it in kind of an existential philosophical sense, wait a minute, I am basically supplanting myself in the role they're supposed to play in their own life. This is their life. I'm here to guide and advise, but not do it all for them. So you got to make the philosophical switch in your head and then you can start to say, okay, so what does that mean? Well, it means you got to start teaching your kids skills from the minute your kid can walk, Uh they're walking away. And to us in our milieu, whether you're Gen X like me or millennial like you, Uh you know, we're terrified by the thought of our kid walking away, right? Because we've been brand, you know, the whole stranger danger safety first. We, We just worry that at every juncture, there's a disaster about to befall our kids And so we end up depriving them of all of the independence building and skill building that ought to happen slowly but surely over the course of these 18 years. Right. My grandmother made me so sad over the holidays. She said, oh, I don't I don't wave or say hi to little kids in the grocery store anymore. And I was like, what? My sweet little granny in Buffalo, New York. And she's like, oh, yeah, like I I just feel like I'm not allowed to do that and I'm going to get in trouble. And I'm like, oh, my God, like that is awful. And I have to admit, you know, the first time I ever took my son out of the country and we were standing right off the plane in the customs line and every single person was grabbing my kid, kissing his cheeks, holding his hands because he's a baby and he brings joy to people. And my immediate reaction was, oh, my God, we don't know you. Go away. You can't touch my kid. And then I took a step back and said, no, this is why I'm traveling and showing him places because we're supposed to meet and see other people and how people do things. And um, it just really – I've got a lot of perspective that the stranger danger thing is real. Everyone's afraid. My mom used to have this rule. If I don't hear from you in 24 hours, I'm going to call the cops and I will assume you have been kidnapped. Right. The kidnapping thing, which you talk a lot about in your book, coming of age at the time when people's faces were on milk cartons. That was my childhood. Yeah. For sure. And that we're going to be taken. And actually, the statistics are not um, – not right. that is not the case. <laughs> right, right. I mean, it does happen, yes, but it course. happens at such an infinitesimal rate. Mm-hmm. It doesn't make sense to structure every day of childhood around it. To put it in context, a child is much more likely to die being the passenger in a car than they are to be to die or be harmed at the hands of a stranger. And yet we don't construct their lives so that we don't ever put them in cars. I mean, I'm talking to you in LA, right? I know right. you live your life in oh, a car. My whole right? life. My whole life. And the Bay Area isn't that much better. So it's a, we've allowed that fear to penetrate our minds as parents 
And it actually ends up putting us out of our minds because it makes everything this sort of fearful life or death moment. And so our, our kids' lives and our lives are incredibly anxiety-riddled written because we act as if everything is of such major consequence that we have to kind of be there to hover over it at all times. And this ends up harming kids. Escape to summer with Victoria's Secret. Pack your bags with just-arrived swim, cover-ups, corset tops, and other sexy silhouettes. When the sun goes down, opt for bold and blingy styles, like the made-to-be-seen Very Sexy Push-Up Bra from the Very Sexy Collection, in on-trend hues like Black Shine, Green, and Citron. For a glam statement, pair them with your favorite jeans and bring the heat. Because life is better in a bikini. Rewind to the future with the VS Archive Swim Collection, inspired by Victoria's Secret's classic looks from the 90s and early 2000s. For endless out-of-office options, mix and match with Victoria's Secret's wide range of bikini tops and bottoms that offer you every type of coverage, from full to cheeky to minimal. And now, in this season's must-have shades and patterns, add the finishing touch with the limited-edition Bombshell Escape fragrance, a free-spirited take on the iconic Victoria's Secret scent. Dive into a vibrant blend of juicy guava, lush palms, and summer glow peony. Shop now at your closest Victoria's Secret store or online at victoriasecret.com. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. Tired of endless diets and weight loss struggles? It's time to say goodbye to frustration and hello to results. Introducing Smart Metabolic Burn from BrainMD, your breakthrough solution to fight stubborn body fat. Imagine burning fat, balancing glucose levels, and regulating metabolism in just 12 weeks. This unique two-in-one product combines the power of two clinically studied ingredients in one revolutionary formula. Berberine, which targets abdominal fat, and OEA, which curbs your appetite, with just two capsules a day, Smart Metabolic Burn by BrainMD can kickstart your metabolism, fight stubborn body fat, especially that pesky abdominal fat, and support your weight management journey. Right now, save over 30% on Smart Metabolic Burn at GetSmartBurn.com, the lowest price anywhere. That's GetSmartBurn.com. Don't delay. Transform your life with Smart Metabolic Burn from BrainMD. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. Our products are not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Okay, you guys, we're going to take a quick break and then we will be back with more Katie's Crib. All right, you guys, I know we're all out there trying our very best to provide and save for our family. So I've been telling you guys about this amazing money-saving app called Drop, D-R-O-P. Drop, easy to remember, right? Well, I've been able to save and get money back for all the regular things I do as a mom and like even just for myself, for all the makeup I get at Sephora, grocery runs at Trader Joe's, diapers at Target, you name it. It's super easy. All you got to do is link your debit or credit card to the app and you choose your stores you shop at already. Like, you know, like Target or Starbucks or Trader Joe's, Uber, Lyft. So it's the places we all actually shop at, not like some places none of us ever go to. And you shop like you normally do. And the app will keep track of it. And over time, you will get enough to redeem gift cards to Amazon, Lululemon, Starbucks, and a whole bunch of places. This is the perfect time for us moms to get something for ourselves or even for our family. It's an app that rewards you. And since I love it so much, all my listeners who download Drop and use promo code Katie's Crib, spelled K-A-T-I-E-S-C-R-I-B, will receive a $5 credit to the Drop app to choose where you want to redeem your gift card. You'll see all the amazing stores there. It's seriously been such a life-changing app for me, you guys. So you're welcome. Check it out. Now back to our episode. Can you explain for those um, listening who haven't read your book, and I recommend that you guys do, can you give us an overview 
of what you mean when you say, I think we've covered it, but just in case, the overparenting, helicopter sure. parenting. Sure, sure. So um, there are all sorts of funny terms. Helicopter parent was probably the original one, but um, snowplow parent, lawnmower parent, drone parent, wow. parent. You can hear the drone, right? Think of just that buzzing, like <laughs> totally, uh, totally, uh, totally. Like swoop in and handle this and swoop back out. Um, anyway, so I wanted to get behind the funny terms and figure out what are the behaviors. And there are three kinds of behaviors that um, comprise overparenting, as I call it in my book title. Um, and they are these. The overprotective parent is the first type. This is the parent who feels the world is scary and unsafe and unpredictable, which is sort of true. And th this is the parent's mistake. And therefore, I must prevent and protect at all times instead of preparing my kid to be strong and thriving out there. This is the parent who wants to prepare the road for the child instead of to prepare the child for the road, okay? Brilliant. Or wants to bubble wrap the kid's every existence, has to know at all times, where is my kid? How are they doing? GPS tracking them on technology and all that, okay? That's the overprotective type. Which ends up raising a child who, who ends up raising a child who is afraid of strangers, who doesn't know how to be anywhere alone, who who's who's sort of on this leash constantly held by the parent. Okay. Oh. The second type is the overdirective parent, aka the tiger type. Yes. Which I'm here to say is not limited to Chinese Americans or Indian Americans or whoever you want to limit it to. It's not. I've seen black folks and white folks and Jewish people and all kinds of people. Sure tiger parenting. This is the, I know best what leads to success kid. And you will do, as I say, you will be a doctor. You will go into finance. Okay. This is the parent who is certain you will be a tennis star. You know, Andre Agassi's dad was a tiger dad. Wow. You know, you will live the life I intend for you to live. And Oh, by the way, maybe my love for you might be conditioned upon how your well success you execute at this. my plans for your life. Okay. Oof. And those students, those young people end up, you know, at some point having a breakdown, like, God damn it, I'm going to have my own life. Thank you very much. Okay. Yep. The third type is the handholder or the concierge. This is the parent who wants to wake the kid up, keep track of their deadlines, keep track of their belongings, bring them any forgotten stuff. Oh God, this is I me. Mean, this is me. This is me. This is me. This okay. is me. 100. And you're in Hollywood, right? You're an, <laughs> you're an actor. You, you know, I imagine in that milieu, you've got all kinds of people who get credits at the end of the show for helping out, right? They're there to bring you stuff and remind you of stuff and yep. tell you what's next, right? Children don't need that. Okay. No, they got to wake actors, their own ass up. At do, but children don't. Okay. And so this is the parent who just loves being needed and useful. Okay. Our kid has to remember to bring their own stuff to school. And one of the best ways to remember is to feel the sting of having forgotten when they get the zero in fourth grade, cause they didn't turn in their homework. There's actually no better way to teach that brain. Oh my goodness. I need a better plan or a plan for remembering my homework, my sporting equipment, my lunch, my coat. Okay. If the parent always rescues the kid's brain never learns. All the kid's brain learns is a parent will always rescue me, which, Hey, by the way, isn't true. I mean, in some ways my message is, Hey, parents will be dead one day. Right. So you have to instill skills in your kids so that they can survive when you're gone. I mean, that is the cold, hard, hard Twitter length, tweet length truth of this. <laughs> yeah, no, this is serious. So those are the three types. Um, and a person can be doing one, two, or all three. Yeah, I'm definitely three, probably a mixture of one and three. <laughs> and I'm, and I'm only in this for 16 months, but I got the writing on the wall. Good for you. Um, I'm two and three, by the way. I want to make sure everyone knows I am a guilty. Oh, you're a two and three. Guilty as charged. Oh, yeah. Oh, see, okay. I, I could never tell him what to do, but I would be like, oh, you want to try this? Let's try this and throw everything I have at this and then try that. And you forgot this. Let me pick it up for you. I'll wake you up. What do you need to eat? Like, it's just going to be mm -mm, mm -mm. not great. Um, you have such a unique perspective, not only as a mother and a person out in the world, but from your experience in academia, which we've touched on and being the dean at Stanford, um, working with college freshmen, how have you seen kids and young adults change over the years? In the years that I've been tracking this problem, um, which I would say started around 1998, um, became the dean in 2002, wrote my first op-ed on the subject in 05, things got really much worse with the smartphone in 07. I left Stanford in 2012 to go back to school to try to develop the chops to write a book that came out in 2015. So I've been looking at this for a long time. 
and I um, am not a researcher, so I haven't studied this uh, in any um, empirical way, um, but I do rely on the work of psychologists who are studying the effects of helicopter parenting. Things are getting worse more yeah. and more. It is, it is commonplace now in many communities for parents to be so involved in homework, they're kind of sort of doing the homework sometimes, okay? Schools know it, but they just don't know how to stop it. And parents will say, well, I have to do the homework because if I don't do some of my kids' homework, my kid is competing in class with every other kid's parent, you know? In other words, oh. the school, right? So oh, um, kids are accustomed to parents um, knowing everything about their lives at all times. Uh, the researcher, Jean Twenge, says... Uh, Gen Z, which is the generation behind you, millennials. Yep. yep. Um, these are young people today, as old as 19. She says they're more likely to be out of the house without a parent. Um, sorry, more likely to be out of the house with a parent than you were or Gen Xers were or boomers were. They're more likely to be inside the house with a parent than you were or older people were. In other words, they're never alone. And so they're adulting later. And in some ways, there are benefits. They're drinking later. They're driving later. They're having sex later. They're basically attended like dogs on a leash at all times. Okay. So they are growing up more slowly. And while there are some benefits to that, the the risky behaviors I just mentioned, what they're not developing alongside of this is skills like how to be home alone and feel okay and feel like you can handle, you know, things that might arise, how to, how to make a meal for yourself, how to take public transportation hold down a job like you know when you're a, a babysitter at, no, at in your teens so like no, I was no, like you know right. I was hosting at a restaurant at 16 you know like right. I was doing stuff that's right so let's pause here and say because you just made a really important point that I don't want to overlook which is the problem we're talking about is largely a function of affluence parents yeah. who have time and money yeah. on their hands are using it to cultivate every moment of childhood and to constantly be there. A parent who's working class or poor doesn't have the time to spend hovering over their child's every moment, okay? Mm -hmm. So there's this wonderful irony that I saw as Dean, my students who came from what we would call disadvantaged backgrounds Mm -hmm. um, actually had a tray in their toolkit, as I say in the book, that their more affluent counterparts lacked. They had a clearer sense of self. They had a clearer sense of, I'm, I'm the one who's obligated to handle this. I've got to think through my situation and come up with you know, solutions. They were more self-reliant and they were more resilient. Now, I'm not trying to romanticize poverty or struggle, but I am here to say, if you emerge from that environment and get to college because you've had a great teacher or two, a great mentor or two who helped see you through from a difficult childhood to that four-year college, you have a set of skills your more affluent peers lack. And that's a beautiful thing. Wow. That's... So then the question is, when we're raising kids amid affluence and influence, how do we instill in our kids that work ethic, yeah. that sense of accountability and responsibility that other kids learn the hard way because their childhood was harder? You know, I remember this. My dad, I mean, amazingly, I went to school for drama, which even that in and of itself, I'm sure a lot of parents would have been like, hell no. (laughs) Um, And it was amazing that he was cool with me majoring in drama. And, but the day I graduated was the day, and to even get that far was crazy because he had supported me until I was 21, which there are many people that do not get that. Um, So I had his support financially until I was 21. And at my graduation day, he said, good luck. You're at zero. How amazing that you're not at a negative. Yeah, right. And um, I've paid for your education. And now your rent is due on the first every month at your apartment. Here is your cell phone bill. And you're so lucky that I'm going to cover your health insurance till you're 26. But you're done. And I lost my shit, had a panic attack. But I have to say it's the greatest gift he gave me because he didn't have to do that. He totally could have kept paying for my life and I could have – cried and gone I was never going to be homeless I could have gone home and I could have given up but I got three waitressing jobs and babysitting gigs and catering gigs and it was the first time I had to work that hard in my life you know what I mean like it was yes and it was so uh and it was really hard to be in to to fight to to prove myself to be an actor but I have to say I have so many friends in their 30s, Julie, whose parents are still paying their rent. I yeah. am not fucking kidding you. And that is um, 
again, such privilege speaking and and yeah. and not everyone gets that, but they're yeah. they're I, I just I can't even believe that I would like at that time I would have never thanked my dad. I was so like, what? But it was the best lesson at twenty one. Like, get a job. You're lucky I paid for you for this long. <laughs> like that's crazy. And I yeah. had summer jobs and I had had a little bit of savings, but you know, just was like, and now you're an adult. So um, this is beautiful, and it's beautiful to hear you say this as a millennial, and I want to acknowledge that millennials, many of them graduated into the worst economy we had seen since the Great Depression, and that yeah. set a whole lot of people back. Yeah. We're not here to bash a whole generation. Mm-hmm. Um, no, there was no jobs for people. It was <sighs> dark. Right. That said, if there are 30-year-olds whose parents are still paying their rent, unless it's an incredibly wealthy family, they can set, set up that 30-year-old you know, to, to have some – guaranteed income for life once the parents are gone. Awesome. But that, that refers to like 1% or even 0.1% of the people, right? Everyone else has to figure out how to earn a living, how to pay their bills. You get to decide how you want to earn a living. You get to decide where you live so that the living you earn can pay the bills, right? Cost of living is really different in LA or the Bay area versus say somewhere in Colorado where it might be more affordable or somewhere in New Mexico or somewhere in Texas, what have you, right? Mm -hmm. But you got to make the choices such that you can lead your own life and fend for yourself. That's what adulting is. It's being able to fend for yourself. And it's not always pretty and it's not always easy. But when you are fending, boy, doesn't it feel good? After you'd gotten over your you know, anguish and anger at your dad and you started to make your way, oh my God. there's pride that you take. Like, I'm paying for this apartment. I'm renting an apartment. I just made myself dinner. Yeah, I just got myself on three buses to this job. Like there's a tremendous sense of accomplishment we actually gain when we do for ourselves. In contrast, when we're always held on a leash, when someone's always handling things, we grow anxious and depressed because essentially our own self is not doing the work of living a life. And so the psyche knows something's not right here. Yeah, you know? you know what's funny? I probably, looking back on it, I, I bet I if my dad had not done that, he, he wouldn't want to hear this. If my dad hadn't done that, I probably would have, you know, I moved across the country, which was a, a big deal for me as a, you know, fourth generation New Yorker. I moved to L.A. Um, against my parents' wishes, but because I knew I could because I had always been paying, you know, I moved at 25 because I had had three years under my belt paying my rent and I knew I could. But if my yeah. dad was still paying for me in New York, I don't think I ever would have left. Yeah. And then I would have never met my husband and I would have never booked Scandals. You would never have been on Scandal. And I wouldn't be fangirling out right now over having watched you on Scandal. I still can't believe it. And dad's so bad that I left. So sorry, dad. It's all your fault anyway. It's Um, all dad's mm. fault. So can I say, I I know you, well, ask me your next question. I have a set of, um, a a method for teaching kids skills that I want to kind of get out if I could. Please. Okay. Because I want to move from this Teach whole, like, me all the ways. Philosophical, like we're messing up our kit. That's up. what's great about this book. It There's a lot of, practical. I mean, it, yes, practical. How do I yeah. do this? How do I okay. raise an adult who's going to be able to take care of himself? And right now okay. it's just about my kid wiping his own butt, but you know. Okay. Mm-hmm. So wiping his own butt is the perfect example. Okay. He's got to learn everything from wiping his butt to crossing a street to earning a living, okay? And you're supposed to teach him those things, but not do those things for him. So the first thing I'm going to say is we think in communities like yours and mine, I bet in many of the communities represented by the listeners to the podcast, we think that childhood today is about get him into the right preschool and the right high school and the right college, like you said at the top yeah. of the show. And we do all this enriching to make sure they're going to look good on paper to impress somebody who's going to admit them to something. And we've totally overlooked two important things. According to the longest study of humans ever conducted, the thing that predicts whether someone is professionally successful in life is, did they do chores as a child? Professional success in life, you want to be successful, you got to do chores or part-time job in high school. Why? Because these things teach you to have a work ethic, roll up your sleeves, pitch in, be useful, don't wait to be served. Ask yourself, how can I contribute my effort to making this situation better, chores or part-time job, okay? This Let's is the – no, my mouth is open. completely agape, and it's similar but different. I say well, to everybody, everybody should have to wait tables. Everybody yeah, should work in the service thing. industry. Everybody at some point in their life should have to serve people, whether it's food, whether it's clothing, That's whatever right. that is. That's right. I don't know why I believe that, but I believe that. So Because you did it, and you know it taught you really valuable things. 
that help you get ahead and you know oh my Hollywood. God. Uh, one it, the hard work I learned in the service industry is the exact same hard work I learned to try to be an actor. Um, and I was a lawyer before I was a writer and a dean. I was a lawyer and. I was a bus girl at a restaurant called Perkins in Wisconsin, one of these 24-hour, you know, restaurants where you can eat anything on the menu at any time of day. And I was a bus girl, which meant I had to clean the tables and I had to mop and clean the bathrooms. Nice. Uh, hopefully, you know, I wash my hands in between. Right? And, um, <laughs> and I'm telling you, that sort of sense of what, what's the, how can I go the extra mile here so that, you know, maybe my boss gives me a slightly more elevated task. That mentality I brought into the law firm when I was a young lawyer. You know, how can I be useful? The big lawyers are doing the important stuff. I'm the tiny little lawyer. How can I be useful here? How can I make their task easier? So chores, how early okay. do we start them and oh, what yeah. are they? <laughs> well, on pages, there's this great book I recommend, which I know you're familiar with. It's called How to Raise an Adult. Huh? Yeah, cheers. And it on page 166 to 168 is the chores list. And starting as young as two. So you got about. I've got what, four months. Chores no. are happening. Yeah, he's 16 months. Oh, no, right, what is so that? Eight, I Guys, think terrible at math. I think you did bad math. Yeah, there, that's oh, okay. terrible. You can edit that. I out. dropped out of math in junior year <laughs> of high school. <laughs> okay, so the cho- there's chores that for kids as young as two, in the book it's broken down two to three, four to five, six to seven, what they can do. And you'll be astonished at what kids at that age are supposed to be able to do. And by the way, in many other cultures, that's they exactly do. what kids are doing without anyone batting an eyelash. Can okay. you give us like one yeah, example? Because it blew my mind yeah. in the book. You said like a 10-year-old like in Switzerland, 10-year-olds are like baby, like stuff in America we would never do. Come on. I'm 51 and I babysat when I was 10. I did too. Okay. All right. Like what's happened? Know. You know what's really weird? Kids don't babysit at that age anymore, right? Because we think it's unsafe. It's not allowed to be home alone until Well, you hear these 12. horror stories about moms getting, going to jail and like going getting their kids taken away from them. Be alone, right? But then there are some states that still have old laws on the book that said, oh, you can marry without your parents' consent at 16. So there are states that literally will say not can't be home alone till you're 12, but you can marry without consent at 16. 16. You got four years to kind of get it all figured out. All right. It shows just how the past is out of touch with the present. Okay. Here's an example of a chore um, for a two to three year old. Uh, this is your, this is the age when your child will start to learn basic life skills caveat. If you let them, all right. Mm-hmm. Uh, like dressing himself or herself with some help from you, putting their clothes in the hamper when they undress clearing their plate after meals. And I know you're like, what? My two-year-old can't clear their plate. Yeah, they, they can. Give them a plastic plate. Don't be feeding your two-year-old on China that you're afraid is going to drop to the floor and right, crack. Right, plastic Give them the plastic plate, plate. Plastic utensils and say, okay, we all clear our plates and your little one will learn to do it. And the best thing is if you start young, they don't complain. They like to be useful. It just becomes part of the way the family works. Whereas if like me, you don't realize chores are important until they're like 10 or 12, believe me, they'll be like, why? What is this BS? You, know, you want us to start helping? I mean, we haven't been helping you so far. Why does this matter? Okay, so chores are, are really essential. The other thing the study showed is that happiness in life comes from, uncon- from, from loving relationships with other humans. Okay, so our kids need to be loved unconditionally at home, not loved as a function of how well they did on a test today or what college they get into tomorrow, but just loved for who they are. Whatever their interests are, love the heck out of that kid. Help that kid become who they are. Don't act like you wish your kid was someone else. I mean, that's what the tiger type is doing, right? right. I love you if you'll go to med school, right? I don't love you if you're an artist. Please don't do that, right? right? Okay, so they have to be loved at home. So this unconditional love at home plus chores is probably the foundational and food and shelter, you know, yeah. are the foundational things they need to experience so that they can leave our homes and thrive out in the real world, Okay. So now what I want to share is the four-step method for teaching any kid any skill. This is on my website. People can follow up. I've got some swag with little things that spell this out. Okay, this is the four-step method. Whatever it is, like make a meal, take public transportation, cross the street, track your own deadlines, you know, fill out your own forms, whatever the skill, here's the four-step method. First, you do it for them. Mm -hmm. Second, you do it with them. Third, you watch them do it. And fourth, they can do it completely on their own. And it's that pivotal, we're stuck in steps one and two. If we're over-parenting, we're doing it for them, okay? Or with them. With them, but they're not learning because we're doing all the work. They're just sort of there, right. right? Step three is the big terrifying shift. You watch them do it. You're still there, but they get to do it. And you have to try not to micromanage every single piece. You're giving them some feedback. 
if there's anything disastrous happening, you're there to say, hey, wait a minute, you know, let's turn down that stove. Right, okay? right, right. All right. But you're, th so you're there. And then finally you do step three enough times you can move to step four where your kid can cross the street one day, not at age two, but maybe at age seven or maybe at age 10, whatever it's appropriate in your neighborhood, right. you know, but at some point a kid has to learn to cross the street. Has to. And take must. I'm, uh, must parenting fail if we don't teach them these basic things. This is, um, do you think as uh, me completely selfish, a mom to a toddler that these, um, you know, I'm not really focused on school or grades and college stuff now, although yeah. I did look at way too many preschools. Um, <laughs> what's the over parenting trap at this stage? Is it like what we've talked about, like not letting him do chores at two years old or – and those little things we just talked about, like your clothes. Here, here's an example. Um, when they're sick – it's so – I'm I'm just all of a sudden conjuring the image of my two kids at that age, which is thank you for allowing me that trip down memory lane. My two are 19 and 17 years old. Wow. Um, so it's been a long time. But here's an example. When your little 16-month-old is playing with some awesome new toy that, you know, grandpa sent – from New York. Right. And it's a shape sorter or I don't remember. Yeah, sure. Right. But right. As a shape, they're supposed to put blocks into a thing that has holes for the block. Part of you wants to tell them exactly how to do it, you know, kind of nudge the right shape to them, you know, part of, right. You're raising your hand, right. Cause but I don't have the patience about? to like what are you worried about that. He's not going to figure it out. No, it's like, he's let's just get this. I have the patience is yeah, yeah. Let's, let's get this playing. done. Let's yeah. get through the same. Like, <laughs> yeah, right? That's the example. Like, back away. Oh. Shut up. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. Stop. Yeah. You know, let your kid figure stuff out on his own. You're right there. You're on the couch. Maybe you're down on the ground and you're playing with your own thing. You don't have to be all up in it. Right. It's sort of one step removed. At 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 16 months, two years, you know, you want to be a few feet away, okay? When they're five years old, you want to be in the next room, okay? Yep. When they're 10, maybe you can be outside of the house and they can be inside the house. You know, like we're constantly allowing greater distance so that they grow comfortable without us and yeah. that they can try different things without us being there having to handle it for them. The other great thing that spoke to me so much in your book was how you speak to your child getting that shape in the shape sorter when you're like yay you did it you're so special for everything which I'm convinced is why I'm an actor because my parents I really had that growing up um yeah you're well, the most you're special you're I mean, the greatest that that's the millennial thing right yeah. like you're the greatest you're the most special the world is your oyster you can have it all you're gonna be the best mom in the world and you're gonna be so successful and blah 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 um my kid, I just, I, my, I'm married to an actor. We're very expressive and very big. And so everything is like, that was amazing. My friends are doing that too. This is not good, right? No, it's not good. It's not good. In part because they really expect that life will have that soundtrack always. So they leave your home. Let's say you talk like that for 18 years and then they go out into the real world and they're in the workplace or the army or college, and there's nobody doing that anymore. And so their little psyche goes, "Ow, oh, what, what, what? what am why I am I not amazing anymore? Because we've, we've sort of made amazing. We've basically watered down amazing and perfect and acted like they're going to hear those terms at all times. So the enthusiasm is great. I mean, I don't think there's anything wrong with the enthusiasm, but see if you can use something like, um, that's a picture. That's an awesome picture. Right. Instead of you're perfect, you're amazing, that right. kind of thing. Yeah. You know? Yep. I think that's right. Yes, yes, yes. Escape to summer with Victoria's Secret. Pack your bags with just arrived swim, cover ups, corset tops, and other sexy silhouettes. When the sun goes down, opt for bold and blingy styles, like the made to be seen, very sexy push up bra from the Very Sexy Collection in on trend hues like black shine, green, and citron. For a glam statement, pair them with your favorite jeans and bring the heat. Because life is better in a bikini. Rewind to the future with the VS Archive Swim Collection inspired by Victoria's Secret's classic looks from the 90s and early 2000s. For endless out-of-office options, mix and match with Victoria's Secret's wide range of bikini tops and bottoms that offer you every type of coverage from full to cheeky to minimal. 
And now in this season's must-have shades and patterns, add the finishing touch with the limited edition Bombshell Escape fragrance, a free-spirited take on the iconic Victoria's Secret scent. Dive into a vibrant blend of juicy guava, lush palms, and summer glow peony. Shop now at your closest Victoria's Secret store or online at victoriasecret.com. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. Tired of endless diets and weight loss struggles? It's time to say goodbye to frustration and hello to results. Introducing Smart Metabolic Burn from BrainMD, your breakthrough solution to fight stubborn body fat. Imagine burning fat, balancing glucose levels, and regulating metabolism in just 12 weeks. This unique two-in-one product combines the power of two clinically studied ingredients in one revolutionary formula. Berberine, which targets abdominal fat, and OEA, which curbs your appetite. With just two capsules a day, Smart Metabolic Burn by BrainMD can kickstart your metabolism, fight stubborn body fat, especially that pesky abdominal fat, and support your weight management journey. Right now, save over 30% on Smart Metabolic Burn at GetSmartBurn.com, the lowest price anywhere. That's GetSmartBurn.com. Don't delay. Transform your life with Smart Metabolic Burn from BrainMD. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. Our products are not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease the problem that we're talking about with whatever age like this whole over parenting I, I, I think you said in the book like you even see parents all the time on campus you would see parents all the time how do you think that this problem is you've touched on it a little bit but how do you think this problem is translating into the world of okay. these millennials and these these gen xers like going on to getting jobs or not getting jobs or what do you think is happening um, I have two examples, uh, three examples. I have 19 examples. Okay, I, have, <laughs> I have a thousand examples, um, in the workplace, uh, how this translates. Basically, if you're over parenting, you can never stop. You're, you're fostering a dependence on yourself, right? Instead of fostering independence. So it becomes this thing that just reinforces itself. Well, my kid's incapable because I've never taught them anything. So now I have to continue to help them at 12 and 18 and 25 and so on. So in the workplace, if you've been overparenting all the way through college, you're going to overparent in the workplace. You're going to send out your kid's resume. Your kid's going to get a call to be offered a job or not a job, but a, an interview. And the kid's going to say, what? I, I don't think I applied. Well, that's because mom handled that for you. Okay. Uh, you show up to, for an interview and mom or dad is there to prep you for the interview, not realizing that they're being observed in the lobby of this, of this business and they can see that this 22-year-old doesn't appear to have the skills to prep for his or her own interview. Mom or dad is there. Um, oh, my God. Is this really happening? Call, parents Good are calling Lord. up employers saying, why didn't you give my child child? Why didn't you give my child a, a raise? Why didn't you give them a bigger bonus? And I think any employer worth their salt replies, because it's you calling me, not your kid. And if your kid showed one-tenth the amount of initiative you're showing, maybe I'd be interested in that, Right. So we're, the overhelp continues. Here are the two examples that first came to mind. I got a call from a reporter at Washington Monthly Magazine, kind of a society magazine, I think, in the D.C. area. And they said, we're doing an article on the fact that Washington, D.C. divorce lawyers are seeing a huge uptick in the number of 30-somethings who show up for a divorce consultation with their parent in tow. What do you make of that? Are and I you had the same kidding face you me? I mean, I just called you Quinn. Sorry. Katie. Oh, I love it. It's great. Quinn's <laughs> right? my middle name. It's perfect. Okay. I'll answer right. to either. So, right. So I got to bring my parent to come talk to a lawyer about the fact that I might need a divorce, right? Well, maybe that whole fact that you're totally still dependent upon your parent is part of the problem. 
another example, the New York Times called me, the real estate section called me. They said, we have parents who are showing up at co-ops, meeting with the co-op board on behalf of their adult child, quote unquote, who doesn't live in New York, but wants to get a place to live in New York. The parents are finding a place, they're meeting with the co-op board, they're doing the work. And, you know, I said, it's great when people have enough time and money that they can do that. But when will that adult child be made to figure out how to get an apartment or a place to live on their own? Because one day they'll have to do it for themselves. And are we going to wait until they're 50 or 65 and their own parent finally passes on and then they literally are bewildered having to do these regular old day-to-day tasks of adulthood? Wow. Can I, a personal question. Oh, so are what? both are both kids out of the house now? Both of your kids? No. I have a sophomore in college and a senior in high school. So when the sophomore left, did you feel so triumphant to have to have raised a person who is now like independent of you or are you like a dis- my mom was a disaster like when we left. <laughs> uh, Which is the I- other thing, you know, I think like again, a millennial, my mom was home with my my brother and I, we've talked about this a lot on the podcast, but, you know, just her choice was that was her full-time job. And it was really, really interesting to watch her go through when she did such a great job that she raised two kids who were like, bye, <laughs> we're, yeah. we're gone. But she was like, oh, wait, 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 what? Right. So this actually, how do you it's, feel? A, it's a lovely question. So I, um, this is how I felt. I turned to my husband and I said, no one told me it would be this hard. And I laughed, right? Because here I am, the dean who worked with all these other people's kids. And I've been on the other side. I've been on the receiving end at the university, seeing all these parent-child interactions on move-in day. I thought I'd be able to handle it. But instead, I was a wreck. And I actually wrote a piece about it, about how my own emotion just sort of bewildered me. My husband and I were fighting in Ikea about, does he need this pillow or this pillow or this bookcase or this bookcase, right? Right. We were there to outfit his room, as many over-parenting people do, because it's like, this is our last chance to influence his environment. And um, so I was a wreck and unprepared for how much I would miss him. This is the upside of how close we are to our kids. Um, In contrast to how I, as a Gen Xer, was raised, for example, you know, when, when we show up at every game and every practice and we know exactly what classes they're taking and who all their teachers are and we know every assignment, we're close there's a closeness that, you know, is an emotional positive thing. Mm -hmm. It can just really end up undermining them if we're so close that we're living their life for them. So, um, I, I found it to be a bit of a shock when my eldest left. And I think your, your premise in that question was, you know, were you, you know, how did you feel about letting somebody go off to be independent? I mean, it begs the question, was he independent? Was he capable of being independent? He's 19. I think we're still seeing. Yeah. You're seeing uh, it. You're in it. Unfold. I yeah. mean, he's doing a lot of hashtag adulting. And then there is a lot of stuff he's still figuring out. Um, the other thing I want to point out is cause I think embedded in the question is, you know, how we parents feel about all this and our, the truth of the matter is our egos, yours, Katie, mm-hmm. mine, many people listening, our egos these days are kind of a bit too much wrapped up in our kids' existence. So when our 16-month-old is talking you know, more eloquently than the others, we feel like, wow, look at my child. Look what I've done. That right? shit when is so stupid. I can't take it. gets into the right kindergarten, that's like a badge of honor for us. We crave the bumper sticker for the back of our car that says the name of the private school or the independent school they've gotten into or the college they've gotten into, right? We need that. What I'm saying is our egos are too wrapped up in our kids. It's like so So bad. We don't want them to leave. And that's why parents like, but, you know, that's why we see, we just saw the New York Times recently, mom accompanying son to um, the campus where he's a football recruit. And the son dresses up in the uniform to show that, you know, he's signed with this school. school yeah. The mom is wearing the football uniform of a difference, complete with a the helmet, right? It's like, get a life, lady. Yeah, I'm like, sorry, but like, get a life because you're not on the football team. Right. This is not your life. This is your kid's life. And you're actually usurping the autonomy that he ought to have in that moment. You're acting as if, of course you love him. Of course you're a booster. Of course you're going to root for him to make every yard and get every touchdown and every tackle, okay? But he's a football player, not you. Stop acting like his life is yours. Right. I felt such relief from your book of like, you know, I'm a working mom and I 
I've had to really dig deep when it's gotten hard and I didn't want to leave him or was going to miss a bunch. You know, I was on Broadway this summer and I only put him to bed one night a week and it was really, really hard. And my friends, my support group around me and my mom were like, you know, you're showing him what that looked like, how cool that is that you're a woman, you're doing this and he's important to you, but your job is also important to you. And um, I just, we talk a lot about keeping your own self filled um, and maybe that will help with your not being as involved in your kids, but maybe not. I don't know. Absolutely. <laughs> no, no, keep yourself filled. Absolutely. Oh, you say that a lot in your book, like your, your I, own happiness, right? Yeah. Is, Look, is just like you being a happy person, you know, like we've talked about on Troyan's po- episode, but like you fill up your mask on the airplane first and then. Right. Yeah. So that's, you know, that, that airplane metaphor works, right? Put your own oxygen mask on first before helping others. Why? Because that's the only way you can actually be of use to others is when you're being oxygenated, okay? Um, if we could model for our kids that we take pleasure in our work, that we take pleasure in our hard work, in our activities, our hobbies, that we have relationships that are important to us, whether it's our primary relationship or friendships or what have you, extended things, like, our kids need to see that. I think one of the reasons we have this sort of quote unquote fail to launch problem with some millennials is we parents of millennials, I'm not one, but older people have made adulthood look very unattractive because all we seem to do is worry constantly about children all the time. And mm. so we're supposed to be role modeling what a healthy, vibrant adult life looks like. And for somebody like you and someone like me, I mean, I'm not an actress. I'm not on Broadway. I just travel a lot with my books. I'm constantly traveling somewhere with these books, which is awesome. What I've got to do and what you've got to do and parents of all genders listening got to do when you're busy with your work, you have to find moments to pull that kid aside, create some special rituals, you know? Mm-hmm. So it's not just that you're there once a week when, when he's older, you know, beyond, you know, when he's five and he's seven you know, for you to say, we need some special mom son time and we're going to go, what do you want to do and develop a ritual? I had a ritual with my son where we'd go to Baskin Robbins 10 minutes away and we would read the magic treehouse books, uh, which is a great uh, book for young kids. Right. And we would read out loud. I would, you know, we, he was of course reading, he was like seven, he was reading by himself then, but he enjoyed um, that. I would read it out loud to him while he ate his ice cream. And, um, you know, this who is a kid enjoy who enjoy Baskin books. Robbins. What'd you I mean, say? Who doesn't enjoy Baskin Robbins? Right. Well, I was trying not to eat the ice cream, of course, but I thought, well, I'm with my son, so I can have some ice cream. Special so, but time. it became Special this time. thing. We called it Mommy Sawyer time. And, um, you know, I really try to show up for my daughter in ways that really matter to her. I mean, she and I have these shopping. It sounds so stereotypical. I'm not a shopper. I'm like not a shopper. I'm not that kind of gal. So. <laughs> okay. But my daughter is. So I got to be excited about that. And, you know, we will do things where we just dive in together to um, time time together that it's sort of that old quality time adage, but it, it, it is, your kid wants to know they matter to you. And yeah, it's great that they're going to see that you're important in all these other ways in the world and they're going to be proud of that, but they don't ever want to feel that you've neglected them yes, because of that. Of so course. you have to strike the right balance. Of course. And sometimes that means saying no to things so that you can be home. Absolutely. I mean, I've busted my ass to get home. Oh. my daughter she's a dancer and she's in theater and the times that i have been on a plane like god this plane if it doesn't take off i gotta you know, I, mean, I, I have a curtain to catch like, gotta, oh god yeah. and i you know and i the people who support me in my environment i've got speaking agent and you know an assistant and i'll say in advance okay tomorrow it is essential that i get back home by this time because avery's got a thing and if let's make sure i'm on a plane that's gonna that has a few backup options. So if that plane's not gonna take off, I got another plane that I can get on. You know, yep. Like going the extra mile to make sure you can get home. Yep. So that you don't let that child down. That's important. Um, a lot of parents might say, and this would totally be me, but all my actions are coming from a place of love. love. I just love them so much. Like yeah. that's why I'm writing his college essay. <laughs> I also think, which I love about your book. Whether or not you are a parent and you think you're whatever college they're going to go to and, you know, I just think it's so – it's such an opportunity to go to the place you're supposed to go to if your parents don't get involved. For example, my mom and I helped my brother all through school. All through school. We wanted him to go to Boston University. We wanted him to be an earth science major. We get him in, okay? Look, this kid was not meant to go to this school. He hates our science. Um, we get him into the school. And he starts failing 
completely flunking out. He's not supposed to be there. I wonder why. Yeah, not supposed to be there, not interested, not passionate about it. The good thing was he ended up meeting the love of his life who he's now married to there and his whole life changed around and he shifted majors and blah, blah, blah. But that's one example. The other is my husband, his entire life, his grandmother was the first female graduating class at UNC Chapel Hill. His mom went there. His dad went there. His parents met there. His brother and his wife also met at UNC. Adam had been in Tar Heels. I I don't know this stuff, but Tar Heels onesies since the time he was born. His dad is the dean of tourism of the school at Temple University in Philly. They they are academia. They love school. They love UNC. Adam doesn't get in. Yeah, it Holy shit. breaks the fucking the hearts family, of the whole family. And Adam is the dean of UNC. Calls his dad and says, "I can't believe I'm making this phone call, but your son is not going to be going to our school." Yeah. Here's the good news: Adam went to University of Maryland, got on the yeah. sketch team, figured out he wanted to be an actor. Yeah. He gets to meet me. <laughs> Because he moves to Los Angeles. I mean, it changed the entire course of his life. He wasn't going to be an actor. He was going to UNC for politics. He ended up going to University of Maryland for politics, ended up joining a sketch team. They were like, we think you're hilarious. You should be a drama major. He moved to L.A. The day he graduated University of Maryland, his life was forever changed because he was supposed to go to University of Maryland. Yeah, absolutely. And the parents Um, couldn't – they didn't have the bumper sticker on. But I think in your book it's like so much about (laughs) – I bet they do now. They can still get one. <laughs> they can tell your in-laws it's, you want that bumper sticker now, right? Because it, it paved the way to all of this. Right. It doesn't help to do that stuff. I wish all of us parents could just talk like, let's just all decide we're not going to do that, which is what you are so brilliantly trying to change and shift that we find and support whatever our children are good at and are passionate about innately within themselves that we're not pushing right. on them because then ultimately they will end up wherever that is where they're supposed to go. That's right. Um, and not have a breakdown or not. Right. And if you can't handle that, if there's something in you that needs your kid to be at UNC or Temple or whatever the school is, right? Everybody's got a school in mind for their kid. If you need that so badly that you're going to basically make it happen for your kid and they're just passively you know, along for the ride, you need some therapy because <laughs> you are basically saying, I, I will not be okay unless my kid has that accolade or that outcome, that's a problem in your own psychological space. And you need to get over that. And I say that as somebody who's a Stanford grad who met my husband at Stanford and and worked at Stanford and gave birth to my kids at Stanford. And I thought, of course, my kids will go to Stanford. And I realized, oh my God, you know, I, I, I am acting as if that's the only place that matters, a place that's admitting 5% of the people that apply why am I steering my kids toward an almost certain denial? A certain failure. You know? Yeah. Right. I'm certain failure. You're like, why, why make, why? Oh, cause I need that so that I can impress people. Oh, well I had to do that work on myself and get over that. I'm very proud to say my son is at Reed college. Nice. Portland, Oregon. Oh, I love a very Portland. small liberal arts college that most people haven't heard of, but it's the right place for him. And I'm, you know, I think he's there as a sophomore now and, um, I'm super proud of him. And I, uh, I have to say, my daughter's going to be at Duke next year, which I know your husband will hate, or your husband. They hate. fucking hate Duke <laughs> right. with all of their heart and soul. Exactly. I don't know about any of this, but Duke was like, <laughs> one last question: If you yeah. had any, any parting words, we are yeah. so lucky to get you. Any parting words of wisdom besides everyone get out and listen or buy this book? <laughs> and I'm really not plugging it for. I'm not getting paid for this, people. I literally just fucking love Julie and this book. What would, you like to, what would you like to part with? <laughs> okay. All right. The one thing that I have to say, because you did ask a question before, somehow we got up on this whole yeah. Tar Heels thing. Yeah. <laughs> you said people say we do this because we love our kids so much. Yes. Okay. Um, uh, yes, you love your kid. And, and to love your kid the best, what you must realize is this. Your job as a parent is to put yourself out of a job and raise your kid to be independent of you. That's how you win at parenting. Okay. Mm-hmm. So you let the love never ends, but don't let the love be smothering. Don't let the love be so tightly attached to the kid that the kid can't get out from under you at all and develop the various skills they're going to need to have to thrive out there in the world. So the, the best way to think about this is um, think about how much you care about your best friend's kid you know, or your niece or your nephew, Mm -hmm. you love that kid. Every time they have something going on, you're like, wow, that's interesting. Tell me why you like that. Tell me what that's about for you. You ask them good questions. You take an interest. You're enthusiastic. 
But when they say, yeah, I might be flunking chemistry, you don't personally feel like, oh, I have to fix that. You're like, okay, wow, that sounds challenging. What are you going to do about that? Mm -hmm. Okay. It's that loving, but slightly distant approach, which is I'm here, I care, but ultimately this is your path. That's what prepares that kid to craft their own path, make their own way and be successful wherever they go. Julie, I could talk to you all day. Girl, you're a dream. I would love that. (laughs) Cannot thank you enough for coming on Katie's crib and for sharing your time and expertise. And I, I'm just such a fan and I'm going to go get your memoir now too. And also I'm listening to Jonathan Haidt's book, right? Coddling the American mind. And he quotes yes. you constantly. So and basically Greg his co-writer, yes, Greg Lupianoff, Greg. Was a student of mine. they do quote me all if, the time. <laughs> if you are interested in the memoir, um, it's a book on race. Yes, I'm it's 100% about being interested. Black and biracial in a country where black lives aren't meant to matter. And it's a very vulnerable prose poetry account of what it has been like to be black and biracial as a 51 year old in this America. So it's a totally different book. But yes, at the heart please. of that book, at the heart of the other book, is I'm interested in the problems that impede us from thriving. And helicopter parenting is impeding a generation of kids. And Racism is, of course, you know, this this centuries long impediment to humans having dignity and thriving. Mm-hmm. So um, I'd love for you to listen to that book as well. I did narrate that one as well. Ooh, so you'll, you'll my that's my next traffic. Love so. it. <laughs> this love sounds it. wonderful. Thank you so much um, with all my heart and soul. Have a wonderful day. You too. Um, thank you again. Thank you guys so much for listening to Katie's Crib and be sure to check out Shondaland.com where you can find every episode of Katie's Crib and we've got crib notes for each episode where you can find out more about our guests and links to some of the resources we talk about on the podcast. And last but not least, subscribe. We're on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, basically like wherever you get your podcasts.